Hello, my name is Nick Spacek, and you're listening to From and Inspired By, a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we talk about the films of Kevin Smith, Beatles biopic Backbeat, and so much more with Soul Asylum frontman Dave Perner. Since 1981, the alternative rock band Soul Asylum has gone from a scrappy pack of dudes recording for Minneapolis label Twin Tone to becoming a Grammy-winning multi-platinum act. Along the way, the band's recorded music for all kinds of films. Most notably, Soul Asylum, or its frontman Dave Perner, have had songs in three of director Kevin Smith's films, as well as So I Married an Axe Murder, Twister, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and The Faculty. Perner also recorded as part of the Beatles cover act, The Backbeat Band, for the 1994 film Backbeat. I was lucky enough to speak with Dave Perner back at the start of September about all of these, as well as Soul Asylum's latest album, Change of Fortune. It's kind of all over the place, but Perner seemed up to discuss pretty much anything, so while it's kind of long, it's really fun. Check it out. people and probably always with my people where you know you can have 
instead of it just go get it done kind of thing where, you know, I'm sure there was half as much pomp and circumstance to making that video based on, you know, the budget that he spent on clerks. I remember reading that the budget for that video was more than the budget for the actual film itself. Well, that's hilarious. <laughs> so where had that song uh, come from? Ooh, that's a good question. It's just another song I was working on at the time, and it it's always hard for me to remember if it was written after the previous record or it was excluded from the previous record or I don't know I just uh, have a giant catalog of tunes and we had a very hard time recording it um, but uh, I want to say maybe it was a song that we were going to put on uh, the record that came out after Grave Dancers Union which is called Let Your Dim Light Shine so I think it was a song that did not that we had decided to not put on our next record or decided or that it just I don't know Nick I got songs I'm knee deep in songs that I don't know quite if they're finished or I need to finish them or I should be focusing on something else but uh, you know that tune was in the right place at the right time and, and you know right down to the the end of Chasing Amy where I have a song called We Three and I said, wow, this, this song was written before this movie was made, but it fits perfectly. I mean, to me, of course, but, you know, <laughs> it's my uh, interpretation. But, uh, yeah, Kevin even had, I think, Bon Jovi write a song for the end. And I said, it's your choice, man, it's your movie. And he went with uh, We Three. So, you know, uh, I'm, now I'm sitting here trying to remember the words to the song. <laughs> I mean, it does seem to sort of fit the sentiment of the movie. So I suppose maybe because me and Kevin are like the same age and we sort of grew up with the same whatever movie music culture, there's a there's a bit of a relative perspective there maybe. You said that there you had like trouble recording, can't even tell. What, what do you mean by that? Uh, we were having drummer issues and... Uh, and we were just kind of all over the place. I remember we were in and out of the studio and playing a lot, of, a lot of gigs and trying to sort of finish the track on the fly. So I'm sure it was a situation where like we'd go out and we'd go out and play a bunch of gigs and then come back and work on the track and then go out and play a few gigs and then come back and work on the track. And oh, it was it was not as easy as it should have been. Like today, my band could do that in about two hours. <laughs> Like, that people, like, wanted that piece. 
piece of music for like the longest time and it wasn't available until like years later on a soundtrack for a different Kevin Smith movie, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Crazy. I never would have guessed that. I mean, that just, it kind of warms the cockle of my heart, but then I'm just like, really? People? <laughs> like, which people are these? Because I have plenty more where that comes from. <laughs> I mean, that was just a really fun song to record, and, you know. I was so glad that Kevin liked it. He was like, oh, it's fucking great. You know, I was like, really? I just, I passed the first audition? <laughs> you know, and and I think it was uh, inspired by the graphic that was the opening. So, you know, I was dead set on playing the picture. I just said, I want the movie, and I'm going to play live to it while I'm watching it. And, uh... I didn't really know what I was doing that much, but I did the whole thing in a garage somewhere in California with the guy that plays guitar with uh, Bonnie Raitt. And uh, again, you know, there wasn't much of a budget, but it was things were moving in a very fluid, creative way. I mean, Kevin would just stop by and take a look and tell me what he thought and came down to the door slamming at the end of the movie and I had this like piano music going on that got really dramatic and then the door slams and the piano stops and he's looking at it and I'm looking at it and someone, I think it was Kevin, goes, how about no music there? And they all kind of look at me for approval and I looked at Kevin and I went, it's your fucking movie, man. I mean, do what you need to do, you know? And he was right in retrospect. So, you know, you can't be too, uh, whatever that's called trying to uh, appease a situation but having too much of an ego to realize that you're the, you're the background music and it made me think a lot of things like I'm like I think a lot of music is background music like when I was a short order cook you just had the fucking radio on all day long you're not really listening to it <laughs> so anyways uh, I love doing soundtrack work I wish I could get more gigs and I think you have to live in LA to get those jobs Oh, God. 
was that movie called? It was a horror film, and John Stewart was in it. The and Faculty. The Faculty, yes. And I think we did. Well, we we recorded a song, which was Alice Cooper's "Schools Out" for that movie, and I went with my manager, and they had a special screening at Columbia. And the song was either not in there at all, or it was in there for such a short amount of time. My manager was just pissed, and I was just like, "Whatever, you know, I don't care." It's like it's interesting. Uh, it's an interesting movie. What's really interesting about that soundtrack is that it's like there's a lot of covers on it. Like Creed does another Alice Cooper song. They do. I oh mean, God! <laughs> I didn't even need to know that because I didn't know that. But uh, yeah, I don't know how that works, Nick. I, got, I have no idea. I imagine that you know people are pushing for their artists, agencies, and whoever they are. Are saying, hey, I got this hot new band, and they got this song that sounds like it's going to be perfect for your movie, and they do it all day long. It was great on uh, Chasing Amy because I also got to be the music supervisor, which is a thrill. So again, Kevin's just delegating work to me that he's very confident I can do, and in fact, it's like I love doing that. So you know, I was able to get the meters in there, and like a lot of bands that are. Just sort of personal favorites of mine. And also, a couple bands that were sort of bands that hadn't made a name for themselves from Minneapolis. And I just said, oh, I really love this song by this local band. Check it out. And Kevin looked into it and seemed like it was going to work. And then suddenly the Hollywood machine <laughs> kind of put some other young band who just got a huge contract from somebody. And uh, the opening music I had, uh, Corner Shop. You know this band, Corner Shop? Yeah, Brimful of Asha. Yeah, 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 same band. Uh, there was a song that I had for the opening of Chasing Amy, like after the credits, when you're when it's kind of zooming into to New York and New Jersey, and and I was like, well, what kind of music? And I just it was it was a perfect track to me because it was like a very modern sounding kind of almost a dance track, but then it had this whole Indian aesthetic to it that made it feel really pluralistic, you know, I was like, that's, that's what I think of when I think of New York City, I think that the whole, whole bunch of different cultures going on, so anyhow, they replaced that with the mighty Boston, <laughs> and I'm like, that, that, that's even a play on words for Boston, I mean, come on, <laughs> but, you know, whatever, it, it works, I guess, yeah. When I'm at a comic book convention, I think of pretty much the Mighty Boss tones. I don't know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course, but I don't know. I still love comic books. I got really into this recent thing called Death Notes, which I was turned on to by my 14-year-old son. And uh, it's, it's Japanese, so it reads backwards, right? Yeah, it reads right. And I still do, do not understand what is mang manga and what is manga and what is... Anyway, it's this beautiful book. And before I knew it, there was a version of it on Netflix or something. Like, they'd made a movie out of it. Yeah. And I watched the first ten minutes. I was like, oh, man, I already can't even relate this to the graphic novel that I was reading the other day. And, uh... So I 
texted my my son about it, and he said, "Don't watch it. It's whitewashed trash." <laughs> and I just thought that was really saying something from a fourteen-year-old about how Hollywood can make try to make things American and kind of not fuck it up by doing so. So, you know, that would be another sort of I don't know what makes me think Kevin's kind of a straight shooter, you know. But you know. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, he tried to write for Superman, for fuck's sake. <laughs> that is one of my favorite stories of all time. <laughs> well, have you heard the, uh, the the thing he does on being at Paisley Park? And, yes. Yeah, that's really something. I don't even want to talk about that. What are we talking about? Are you doing anything with the Jay and Silent Bob movie that he's getting ready to make? No, but I wish I was. I'm waiting by the phone, my man, <laughs> to quote my own lyric. But, uh, I hear they're coming through here to make a, uh, some sort of a hockey movie, but, you know, you know, Nick, with all the fake news out there, you just, you just <laughs> not know what's, what's really going on. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll try to get my manager to call... Kevin's manager irritate him a little bit for her. Texas, Paris, Texas. Oh, yeah, 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 
I took a film scoring class uh, in Los Angeles, and I got in through the back door with ASCAP, and the first day of class, you know, the instructor or teacher or whatever goes, well, how many people have directed an orchestra? And everyone's hand went up but mine. <laughs> and I was like, holy fuck. But I learned so much about, you know, just the relationship between the visual and what what you can do with sound, I guess. Like, foleying is fascinating to me, too, you know what I mean? So anyhow, uh, I watched this film that is sort of a documentary of the making of the music for this movie, Paris, Texas. And Ry Cooter is the guy that's scoring the film. Oh, yeah. And he's trying all these kind of really interesting, like cutting hoses and spinning them, and just kind of, you know, working in experimental directions that sounded really personable, but also unique. Um, and I don't know, the story goes, the director, who's a very famous director, he can't, I can't think of his name right now, but he had this scene that he required something very, very special and Ry Cooter couldn't get it right. And then Ry Cooter's guitar fell off the stand and fell into an odd tuning and Ry just picked it up and started to play it. And according to his story, the director just started crying and said, it's perfect. You know, so there's this great <laughs> level of experimentation and coincidence that can happen, I think, which is really exciting. And when you watch the you know, those old cartoons that the whole orchestra is just playing every hit and every, I mean, there's so much you can do. And, uh, you know, it's only recently that it's been nailed into my head that if you have an incredibly violent scene, like a riot or something, it doesn't necessarily require violent music. <laughs> I, thought it was I don't know, sometimes it works and sometimes it works to, like, thing to it and it has more impact somehow. I mean like Friday Night Lights was a football movie and they got explosions in the sky to do the score so you, that seems like that would be completely counterintuitive and it's this brilliant thing. Yeah. It's it's cool. I like it. And, uh, let me see. What else? I don't remember. Well I, I got a thing in the an Adam Sandler movie because Netflix gave them a deal and I had re-recorded the song Runaway Train because I own the what the right the recording rights reverted back to me since it's a long story I don't know which part of this you are are not interested in but if I send him the re-recorded version there's like a whole bunch of people from my past that will not take a piece of it. So, using the re-recorded version is what me and the people that I'm still working with would prefer. And Sandler was like, no. <laughs> I want the original recording. And I'm like, well, you know, it's Sandler. He's a, he's a music guy. We all know he's a music guy. Of course he wants the original recording. So, you never know what, I mean, I, I don't even know where that will turn up somewhere. I mean, I think I read the script and I said, is it, are they making fun of the song? You know, that's kind of where that negotiation goes. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, fuck, what's the movie about? I don't know. Should I read the whole script? I don't know. 
I mean, it's, it's really uh, incidental. And, uh, you know, somebody told me that in uh, It's Always Funny in Philadelphia, they used the runaway train, and everyone just said it was great. I don't particularly want to see it, I guess is maybe my point. Because one of these days, it's just going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe I let myself put music into this terrible movie, you know, or whatever. But, I don't know, maybe the human uh, ability to digest a lot of drama and music and whatever is, is expanded and binge watching is better than spending your day doing heroin. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe they go well together. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to experiment with that. I'll tell you that. I'm going to tell on Mary, but Uncle John said he had to miss it, but he got a lot of fun, baby. Yeah, baby. Wow, baby. I'm going to have some fun tonight. I saw Uncle John, Lord Tall Sally, saw Mary coming and it doesn't make any So I have to ask about Backbeat because, like, that's still, like, a soundtrack I find myself going back to a lot because it's just so much fun. Was it, was it as, it, it sounds like it was a real sort of, like, raucous thing to record. Yeah, I thought uh, Don was, did a great fucking job, and, you know, I suppose... I pick things up along the way. I'm like, oh, this is how Don was is going to make the Beatles sound in Germany in the, in the early days. And, you know, he could have got anyone. You know, anyone. <laughs> but he ends up with, you know, Thurston Moore and Dave Grohl and this really cool band and Mike Mills. And, you know, it really kind of worked. He picked the right players, and uh, it was really fun. I just, you know, those are the fun gigs. I get to get flown to L.A., I show up at a studio, and I come in, and I sing. And, and fun not, songs, you know, too. You know what I mean? Like, that's a really unique thing for me. I play, I play in a rock band. I don't usually get hired as a singer. <laughs> So he had me sing on, I don't know, a half dozen songs or something. And some of it I knew and some of it I kind of knew. I'm trying to figure out if I... No, I didn't. I didn't sing the picture or anything like that. I had no idea what it was going to look like. And uh, I guess the actors sing to us. I don't know how they do that, you know. Sometimes it happens in post and sometimes... It would seem like Dave sang to us, though. Yes, that's probably what happened. And there was one song that Mike Mills sang on that I also sang on, and it worked. his version worked better. You just never know. And, you know, you got fucking Henry Rollins to sing. You're like, why would you get Henry Rollins to sing? <laughs> but it kind of works, you know. It's, it's amazing how that vision was pulled together and how particular it is to such a short time relatively in the life of a band, you know. 
you wish that you'd gotten to do more than that, like, one performance? No, I mean, I don't really care. I don't, there's just one song, it's me singing. Is that what you mean? Oh, no, like the, the MTV. Oh. oh, the MTV thing. Oh, my God. I started writing music for that band. That's you're the only person I've ever told that to. Oh, man. But I was like, it's such a fun band. I'm just going to start writing these. Like, really, that probably wouldn't have been a good idea. I don't have that much confidence to call those guys up and go, yeah, I just wrote a dozen songs. Let's go in the studio. And I probably could have pulled that off, maybe. <laughs> And it would have ended up sounding like the fucking, you know, white stripes and the black keys. <laughs> the black and white stripes. <laughs> would have been way ahead of the curve on that. Uh, it's a good bunch, you know. And I met Craig Dooley through that thing, and I didn't know him before that. And, uh, you know, everyone was very forthcoming. And Don Fleming, they're really good people, you know. Just like... How instantly comfortable can I become amongst, you know, dudes and bands that I've met once or twice? But, you know, we all get together. We all kind of are, you know, cut from the same something. And I remember that I got a little attitude from Courtney that night and a little attitude, well, now just a hairy eyeball from, what's his name, from Smashing Pumpkins. I don't know. But then again, John Bon Jovi was very nice to me. That's the kind of stuff you want to talk about. <laughs> Backstage at the MTV Music Awards. It was crazy. Those were really fun sort of things that, you know, they don't last very long. When I sang the studio, I rehearsed the day and we played on a show and that was it. And no one told me I was supposed to wear black. <laughs> I'm the only person not wearing black. So what do you have going on right now? Well, I'm trying to figure out if I can make a patio out of glass block, and I think it's doable. I'm working on my house in Minneapolis. We're doing some construction. Like I said, I just got back from Naperville, Illinois, and Skokie, Illinois, with some hot rock and roll gigs. And I'm working on some new tunes. I got a studio in the basement, and I also have a studio in New Orleans. So I'm trying to figure out what to do about that, which what I'm trying to do is rent out my house and still keep the back part of the house so I can have access to my studio and a place to stay when I'm visiting my lovely son. Um, and, uh, you know... We'll see how that works out. See how anyone's willing to let some weird dude <laughs> live in the back of their house. Well, awesome. Dave, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today. This has been really awesome. Yeah, well, I also have a probably 15-minute film that's about a magic shop in uh, Minneapolis. And uh, I don't know. There's no money in it, and the director has kind of given up on it. But I still kind of want to score it, so maybe I'll maybe I'll try that out, and I'll send it to you, and you can tell me what you think. That would be awesome. I would love to see it. I, magic shops are always sort of an interesting beast. All right, my man. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure again. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Take care.
Dave Perner for speaking with me. You can find links to purchase Clerks, Chasing Amy, Backbeat, their soundtracks, and more releases from Soul Asylum in the show notes for this episode, which are at fromaninspiredby.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at fromInspiredPod. You can subscribe to us via iTunes or Stitcher as well. Soul Asylum are on Facebook and Twitter at Soul Asylum, and their website can be found at soulasylum.com. Dave Perner is on Twitter at Dave Perner, but with an E instead of an I. Please head up the website and click on the Give Us Money button to help pay for web hosting and long-distance fees, and remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back next week talking about the music video for John Williams' Duel of the Fates from the movie Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Until then, thanks for listening. Dante, this is Dave. Dave Dante. Yeah, as soon as it's custom, we get out of here. So where are they from? Minnesota, I think. They play in a band or something. Can we beat them? Are you kidding? They're musicians. Musicians can't play hockey.